At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Everywhere we turn, someone is promising to finally give us the satisfaction and happiness we long for. Yet from advertisements to political campaigns, these promises so often remain unfulfilled. We know God makes promises too, but do you ever wonder if He'll actually keep them? Join us for our Christmas series, Fulfilled, as we discover how Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises to us and how the promises He kept then fulfill our deepest longings now. All right, this morning, if you have a Bible or electronic device, I want to encourage you to take it out and turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. We're going to begin this morning in verse 13. I don't know about you and what your experience was like. Maybe it was like mine, maybe it wasn't. But when I was a kid, Christmas was all about getting gifts of things that I wanted. Right there, the things that I, I, I wanted, not the, not the things that I needed. Right? I, didn't, I didn't want a gift of a new toothbrush. I didn't want new socks. I didn't want new underwear. I didn't want those things. Those are some things that I needed, but it's not, I didn't want to go down to the tree on Christmas morning and open up a pack of socks. Right? That wasn't exciting. Right? No, you, Christmas was all about getting the things that you wanted, not the things that you needed. And so over Christmas, for me, I wanted things like Teddy Ruxpin. You guys remember that toy? The talking bear, you'd like open up his back, put a cassette in, press play, and his eyes would open, mouth would move. Like, I wanted that. I didn't need that. Right? I could read. I didn't need some bear to read to me, but somehow I wanted it. I didn't need an Atari 2600, but I wanted it. Hours wasted in front of the TV. I didn't need Transformers, but I wanted them. I didn't need a Talkboy, but I wanted it. But somewhere along the way, Christmas for me in this area has changed. I, I no longer want things on Christmas. Right? At Christmas, it's more of the things of the things I need, the things that I don't buy for myself, but the things that I need. Because now I'm at that place in my life where I don't want to wait until Christmas for the things that I want. Right? If I want something, I just go get it. If it's within my means, right? Or I save money up for it or whatever. So Christmas is not about the things that I need or want anymore. Christmas is more about the things that I need. Knowing what we want and what we need is very important. Being able to distinguish those two things, right? Because if we live our lives chasing after the things that we want and not the things that we need, we can get very, very confused. Especially when we say things like, I want to be happy. Right? Happiness is not something that you need. Right? But happiness, if we say happiness is something that I want, and you're like, I'm going to position my heart, I'm going to position my life to chase after the things that make me happy. Because in a sense, what you need is a feeling to be fulfilled. Right? That's a need. A want is happiness. 
right? And so we, if we feel like we want to be fulfilled and we think that we're going to be fulfilled by following after happiness, then we run the risk of having a distorted life. Why? Because happiness is an ever-moving target. Happiness is not something that's secure. Your happiness changes with the, the ebb and flow of the world. It changes with the seasons. Right? Our happiness is not something that we should chase after as something that we want, hoping that it's fulfill something that we need. Happiness is that ever-elusive, changing goal. And it's a mask of what we really need, the sense to be filled, the sense to be whole, the sense to be known, the sense to be loved. I see so many people in the world today chasing after happiness. And they're chasing after things that the world, they're listening to messages from the world that say, happiness is found here. And then happiness is found here. And no, 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 happiness is found here. Happiness is found here. And so we position ourselves chasing after happiness and we're running ourselves ragged and we're running out of energy. We're running out of fuel because we're chasing after the wrong thing. Today, we are going to continue our series entitled Fulfilled, His Promises Kept, Our Longings Met. We've been walking through the book of Matthew, the first couple chapters of Matthew, and what we've been seeing in this series is how Christ fulfills our deepest longings and our deepest needs. And today we're going to see how Christ, who was promised in, in years past, Christ was promised to come and to meet our deepest needs. And today we're going to see how he meets two of our deepest needs. Our one, our deepest need for deliverance. And secondly, our deepest need to be home. So today as we look at Matthew chapter 2, what we're going to see is that in Jesus, God offers deliverance. And right now that might be like, ah, what? What do I need to be delivered from? I'm, I, I'm not oppressed. I don't need deliverance, but my prayer is as we walk through the text today that you will begin to understand your desperate need for deliverance, and really it's a desperate need for Jesus. So today we're going to see two truths from the scripture of how we can understand in Jesus God offers deliverance. Let's look with me in uh, chapter 2 beginning in verse 13. It says, Now when they had departed, this being the wise men, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose up and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I, shall call, I, have, I called my son. Now I'm going to unpack all that for you in just a moment. It may seem a little bit disconnected, but we've got to, we're jumping deep into the midst of this narrative of the birth of Jesus. And we've got to get caught up to speed because we, we come to this place in verse 13. If you haven't been here for the series, then you're like, where are we at and where are we going? But what we're going to see first in these first couple of verses is that we need to begin to understand and recognize your need for deliverance. 
You need to understand, if we hope to have the hope of Christmas, if we hope to have the hope that, that Jesus comes and provides, we first need to recognize that we are in deep need of deliverance. And let's go back, before we jump into the text this morning, let's go back to the very, very beginning. We open up the pages of Scripture and we read that God has, God has been creating and God has made everything that he's made good. And then he comes to the pinnacle of creation, humanity. He makes man and he makes woman. And he, when he sees them, he says that they are very good. And at that time, there was perfect fellowship between man and woman and between man and God. Perfect in fellowship. Perfect in relationship. There is nothing hindering that relationship. And then, very quickly, sin entered in. And when sin entered in, there became this great rift, not only between man and woman, but there became this great rift from humanity and God itself. A sense of a need of a cure. And in that moment, God began unfolding his plan to redeem humanity to call them back and to bring sinful man back into fellowship with God. God's plan to deliver man from their sins was put into place. And this plan couldn't happen in a moment because creation needed to know it needed God. For in that moment when Adam and Eve took of that fruit, in essence what they were saying is, God, we don't need you. God, we don't believe you. We don't believe that your word is true. We don't believe that you have our best interest at heart. And so we are going to rebel against you. And here's the truth today. Each one of us, just like Adam and Eve, have said that in our lives towards God. God, I don't need you. But God was faithful. And God's plan to redeem the world could, did not happen in a moment. But as we read through scripture, we see that God provides cycles of deliverance. When God's people desperately understand that they're in need, that's when they're ripe to hear the message of hope. And when we come to the book of Matthew, what we need to understand is that God's people in that day were in desperate need of deliverance. They understood where they were, and they were looking for a savior. Reminds you that prior to the book of Matthew, God had been silent for 400 years. There were no prophets. There were no new revelations. There were no new understandings or teachings from God. And the people of God at this time lived under Roman occupation, and they were weighed down by religious rules that didn't bring life. So every single day as they lived their life trying to, to fulfill all of these things, their lives were filled with more guilt and more shame. They were looking for a deliverer. They knew they needed saving. They were looking for a Messiah. Now in chapter 2, we get to chapter 2, the world is slowly becoming aware that the Messiah has come, the one that was promised to save the world from their sins. He has come. And as that message starts to go out, people are responding differently. And in this moment of Jesus' birth, we see God's sovereign hand of salvation and deliverance and redemption beginning to unfold. And at the same time, evil forces seeking to disrupt God's plan. 
For remember, we learned last week that the the wise men from the east, they come looking to worship this new king of the Jews that had been born and they go to to Herod the Great at the time and they tell him, where is this king who has been born so that we may worship him? And Herod becomes freaked out and paranoid because he doesn't have God-given power. He has human-given authority. And he becomes paranoid about all of this. And Herod was a terrible man. We're going to learn more about this next week. But Herod was a terrible man who didn't love the world and didn't love people, but only loved his own power. And in the story now, we see as it unfolds that Herod becomes the villain. He's a madman who would not stop at anything, who would stop at nothing to protect his man-given throne and reign. We learn from history that Herod was a man that murdered one of his ten wives. We learn that he also murdered his brother-in-law. And towards the end of his life, he had two of his sons executed because he believed that they were guilty of treason. Later, right before he died, he executed his third son. We're also told by historians, before Herod died in the last two years of his life, he had three different wills made up. As a way of, at the last minute before he died, he could choose which way to go based on the loyalty or the friendship of those that were around him. He was always concerned. He was always suspicious. He was never in a place of peace because he always was running after power and notoriety. And what we see, now he knows this, there's this king that's been born. And so what does he do? And we'll look at this even more quickly Next week, he calls out and makes a decree that all the young boys under the age of two in the town of Bethlehem are to be murdered. Now, this isn't isn't a a massive execution of, of millions of little boys, but this is a terrible thing where we see Herod stepping in and seeking to destroy that which God was doing. And what does God do? As God always does. In the right time and in the right way, we know that God's plans cannot be thwarted. For what happens? God knows. And so he sends an angel to Joseph and says, Joseph, Herod's about to do a terrible thing. Flee, leave now. Don't wait. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go directly to Egypt. Get up and go. Flee from this place and stay there until I tell you it's safe to come home. Now imagine just for a moment that Joseph hesitates. Imagine for a moment that Joseph says, uh, that's, Lord, that's not really convenient right now. Right, we, we just came out of a season of, of craziness. We just came to Bethlehem and, and all of this and baby was born in a manger. And we're, we're just now, fine. we just left scandal, right? And now we're in this place. We just need some time to set up our home. Imagine if he says, wait a minute. God, I, we, we've been on this journey and now you want me to go be a nobody in some other place? Imagine if he came in with a long list of excuses of why he couldn't go. How would that have changed the story? Well, hope would have died. Hope would have died. 
Our plan of salvation, our plan of redemption would have died. But that's not how Joseph responds. Joseph clearly hears from the Lord. He clearly hears from the Lord and he immediately obeys. He immediately does. Even though it wasn't convenient, even though it wasn't comfortable, even though it wasn't cheap. In fact, it was very costly. He had to give up everything and go to the land of Egypt for his own safety and the safety of Jesus. I wonder here today how you respond when God clearly speaks to you. Have you been at that place? Have you been at that place where either God speaks to you while you're praying or God speaks to you from your word or God speaking to you through circumstances or through other people? You clearly hear the voice of the Lord telling you to do something, not something that's, that's evil or wicked or sinful, but you hear the word of the Lord come to you and he says, do this, obey this, immediately do this. And instead of immediately doing it, you sit back and you say Ah, that's not convenient. Ah, that's not comfortable. Like, I can't, I can't do that. Like, I just did all this other stuff, and now i got to do something else. Ah, it's, it's too costly. I can't do that. That's not what God and his voice, when it comes to us, wants us to do. Like you don't have to wonder, like, is God going to take care of you? Is God going to provide for you? These are all the things we worry about. In essence, all we need to do is say, Lord, here am I. Send me. And when we put ourselves into that place, guess what God does? He sends us. He sends us. And we relinquish control of our lives and we raise up our hands and we say, Lord, take my life, use it however you see fit. And then what God does is he begins to work in our lives and moves us in places we don't understand. We don't know why. We don't know how. We just know what we're supposed to do when we do it. And then the Lord continues to unfold his beautiful story in our lives. And in this case, what we need to see is that Jesus' life and Joseph's obedience and all that are all part of God's plan for deliverance. It's unfolding once again because even though Mary and Joseph may not have understood it, but by they had to go to Egypt to fulfill God's promises. We see in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, Hosea, who was a prophet back in the day, was a prophet that that brought words of condemnation that that said that God was angry and that God was coming with his correction and God's people were going to be exiled. And so he wasn't a popular prophet, but even in the midst of his prophecy, he has this prophecy of hope in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. He says, when Israel was a child, I loved him and out of Egypt, I called my son So Mary and Joseph and Jesus might not have had going into Egypt part of their plans. You know, they're probably, Jesus is a young child now, and they're probably like, okay, it's time now to circle the fences. Things have kind of settled down in our lives. Let's begin to build our life as we figure out what Jesus is going to do. Egypt wasn't part of their plan, but all along it was part of God's plan. 
Egypt at this time, God had prepared it to be friendly to the Jews. Many of the Jews at this time had, had, had moved and left the Roman rule that was in, in Israel and in that area and they had traveled down and many, many Jews lived in Egypt. It's estimated that over a million Jews lived in um, Egypt at this time. So Egypt had become friendly. And so it really wasn't a, a huge deal like going so far out of their comfort zone. And probably more than likely, what we see is the gifts that were given to them from the Magi is what they used while they were in Egypt. Scripture doesn't tell us how long they lived in Egypt. Some scholars believed it was probably less than a year. And so the gifts that they would have would be enough for them to, to live off of. But they needed to go there to save themselves from what was happening with Herod. They had to go. But it's also eerily similar how the story of Jesus and the life of Moses are kind of connected. Right? Remember back in the, in the day how they have similar plans. Remember back in the day, there was another ruler that was paranoid over his power. Remember Pharaoh who was in charge of all of Egypt? And at this time we see that the Hebrews are, are slaves in Egypt and the, the children of, of the Hebrew children were continuing to multiply so greatly that uh, the, the Pharaoh at the time was freaking out. He's like, if they could become more powerful and they become more numerous, then they'll overthrow us. And so they became worried about that. And so what did he do? Pharaoh had a rule that went out that when the midwives see that a child, a boy has been born, they're supposed to take that child to the Nile and drown the baby. Anything similar? Have some freakishly paranoid leader trying to destroy what God is doing. But then God and his sovereignty saves Moses. Remember Moses' mom takes Moses and she hides him for a, for a time and she no longer can hide him. And so what does she do? She takes him to the place that is supposed to be the place of murder and death. And instead of drowning her son, she places him in a basket. And in doing so, she is obedient to what God is telling her to do. And then what does she do? She lets her child go. And what does God do? The Nile that was supposed to be the place of death becomes the place of deliverance. For as God sovereignly allows Moses to float down the the Nile, he goes into a place where he is cared for and he's loved. He actually goes into Pharaoh's household and all of that. And God's plan to redeem, God's plan to save cannot be thwarted by the darkness of this world. But then what happens to Moses? Moses grows up and after being called by God, he goes back to Pharaoh and he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh's like, I'm not. So then we see this 10-round battle between the gods, the little gods of Egypt and God of the universe. And with each round, each plague that comes, God is showing that he's more powerful, that he's more mighty, and he's more wonderful. And finally, we get to the end, and the, the, all of the gods of Pharaoh have, or all the gods of Egypt had been dismantled except for Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the last god to fall. And Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, This very night... All the firstborn sons of all the land will die. 
And that's what it took. Because in the death of the firstborn, Pharaoh's line, Pharaoh's lineage was ended. His rule and his reign came to an end that night. And then later on, as he continues to pursue God's people, as they are leaving Egypt, Pharaoh loses his very own life. And so this mighty king, this mighty God of the world is destroyed. And God of the universe reigns and rules forever. And we see that deliverance comes out of Egypt through the mighty work of God. And again... In this day, in Matthew chapter 2, we see deliverance again is going to come out of Egypt. And it's going to come out not of a man, but it's going to come out of the person of Christ who will be the deliverer, deliverer not only for humanity, but also will be the deliverer from the bondage of sin. I, I like what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. And, and this may be hard for us because the, Egyptian, or the, the Israelite people knew every day that they were in bondage. They knew every day when they woke up and they're making bricks and they're doing this, that they live in a pagan land and they're making all these things for a pagan person and they are doing all these things knowing that they are not their own. But sometimes it's hard for us who live in America to think that we're in bondage, to think that we're in need of deliverance. It's difficult for us because we have freedom. And we think that our freedoms that we have, they give us a false sense of security. But I don't want you to be fooled today. You are in deep need of a deliverer. Paul writes this in Ephesians, and he's talking about our condition, our condition, your condition, my condition. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and when you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Oh, don't be fooled. You might be a good person according to the world standards, but in God's eyes, we are filthy, dirty, rotten. We are enemies of God because we walk not according to the ways of the, world, the, the Lord, but we walk according to the ways of the flesh. And Ephesians remind us because of that, because of our full corruption, we are children of wrath. I love how Paul goes on in Romans chapter 3 to continue to help us understand our desperate condition for he says in Romans chapter 3, verse 22, he says, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no distinction. There's no distinction. doesn't matter how much money you have. doesn't matter how much actual sin you've done. doesn't matter if you're on death row or if you're in the White House. All have sinned. We all equally are condemned before the God, the God of the universe because of our sin. We've all fallen short of God's glory. But the hope we have in Christ is that Christ has come to set us free from that bondage of sin because there's nothing inside of us, there's nothing we can do to make ourselves right before a holy God. 
All we have is we come before him with all the things that we've done. And there's nothing we can do to save ourselves from our sins. But then we go on and we read what Christ has done in Romans chapter 22. Let me read the rest of that. Remind you, he says, for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. See, our redemption is only found in Jesus Christ. It's not found in our works. It's not found in who our parents are. It's not found in how much money we make. Our redemption is found only in Christ. And I love how Paul goes on in Romans chapter six to say this. He says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching which you were committed and having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. Now, though the path to deliverance may be painful, the path to salvation is a, a call where we come before the Lord and we die. That's not fun. But we come to the Lord and we die. We die to ourselves. We die to the, the, the desires of our hearts. We die to the things that we think that we need. We die to those things. As sinful as they are, we die to everything that is counter-biblical. We die to it. And we come and bring it before the Lord. And then guess what happens? God delivers us and then freedom is experienced. Freedom comes through deliverance, but it comes through death. And the ability for us to experience deliverance comes through the death of Christ. And then our personal experience comes through as we die to ourselves. Oh, Jesus brings deliverance. And each one of us are in desperate need of deliverance today. But it only comes through Jesus. Second, I want us to see that we are to receive your call back home. Next week, we'll walk through verses 16 and 18, but now I want us to jump down to verse 19. And it says, but when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are now dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. Now, I want us to see there's, again, a lot of connections um, to what God is doing here, to what God has done in the past, as God is kind of cycling through his story of deliverance. Remember back in the days of Moses, Moses um, did something awful. He, he murdered uh, one of the, the, um, the guards of Pharaoh. And they sought for his life. And so what did he do? Moses fled the land, went to Median, and there he actually met with the Lord and, and, and had the message from the Lord. But then the, the Lord comes to him and says, those who sought your life are now dead. Go back. Go back because I'm going to use you to set my people free. And here we see the angel of the Lord coming now to Joseph again and says, those who sought your life are dead. Now go back to the land. Go back home. And what I want us to understand is each one of us inside of our hearts have this deep longing for home, right? Man, you think of home right now, you probably think of a place that's safe, secure. I hope that your home itself is a safe place. I hope that your home is a place where you have fond memories and you have a lot of great shared experiences with your family and it's a place that brings you peace. But I want you to understand that that's not home. 
That's not really home. For what we really long for, the home that we really long for is not a place. Our home that we long for is a person. What we're longing for is Jesus. Because in Jesus, we have hope. In Jesus, we have safety. In Jesus, we have security. In Jesus, we have salvation. In Jesus, we have everything that we need. So that longing that you have in your heart, it's for Jesus. Don't try to place that longing with anything that is not eternal. Trust in him with all of your heart. I love how Hosea, and we'll close with this. Hosea in his uh, prophecy that we looked at, that out of Egypt my child will come, he goes on in in chapter uh, 11, verse 10, he says this. He says, they shall go after the Lord. He's talking about when the Lord will return. They will roar, he will roar like a lion when he roars. His children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. You see, even even during the exile, when God takes them into Syria and Babylon, and then God brings them back to, to Jerusalem, they're rebuilding the temple. And in their rebuilding the temple, what they're really doing is that they are coming back to where the presence of the Lord is. See, that's our longing for home. It's to be in the presence of the Lord, to be with the presence of the Lord, and we receive that only through Christ. So today, I I don't know where all of you are at. Maybe you're here today and you've been living your life on your own and you desperately need Jesus. For the first time in your life, you realize that you are in desperate need. If that's you, the Bible is clear, clearly tells us that what we need to do is to admit that we're sinners, to repent of our sins and fall at the foot of Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need you to be my savior and to be my Lord. And if you want to have someone walk with you through that, I would love to meet with you. Or maybe you came with someone that that has been a part of our church and you just have questions that you want to talk with them about. Or maybe you're here today and you just need prayer. Life is almost to the point where it's too much for you to bear and you just need prayer. We have a a prayer team that's over here that during our closing song, you can go and be prayed for there. Or maybe you're here today and you've been walking through life and you know that there's areas of, maybe it's your thought life. Maybe it's the secret parts of your life that you don't let anyone into. But, it's, but you know like the design of God and the experience of your heart are not matching up. Let me remind you that it's always, always, always best for us to bow our own will to that of the Lord. And when we, we want to find freedom from it, it comes when we come to the Lord and die. When we die to our desires. We die to the things that we think we need. And we embrace that which we only need, which is Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your words today. Your words of truth, your words of life, your words of love. Father, I'm thankful that you are a God that does deliver. You've done it over and over and over and over again. But it all was afforded through the work of Christ. Father, right now, 
we are in need of deliverance again. Father, there are some in this room that are still far from you, that have never bowed before you and given you control of their lives. I pray today, Father, that you would help them. Father, there are those also here today that are struggling, that are deep in sin, that though they have been freed from sin, they have shackled themselves once again to their sinful nature. And maybe today they feel as though they can't get out, they can't get away, they can't change, they can't turn. Remind them today, Father, that because you came, you lived, you died, you rose again, now there is hope. We're no longer slaves to sin. Sin no longer controls us. But when we come and we die to that sin, you deliver us and you give us freedom once again. Father, we are in desperate need of feeling freedom. So Father, I pray in this time and in this way as we sing, Father, you would do that mighty work in our lives once again. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.